Back on Smith and Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith and Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. Before we move on to our to our you know next topic, next guest, everything else, the one thing I wanted to mention in regards to Canada basketball and, and Jonesy, I said this on the broadcast yesterday as well, but I wanted to say it on this show because we've clearly hit a lot of these topics that I'm I'm, I'm about to mention. The one cool thing about seeing Canada on the weekend, on, on Saturday, Sunday, the senior men's team, and seeing them win and seeing them 4-0 right now in this um, qualification process, I think what I'm looking at is the success of athletics in Canada, period. The fact that we're coming off of pretty successful Olympic Games, not just winter, but also looking back to the summer. Clearly, for years, for decades, we've been discussing the success that Canada's had in hockey, both men and, of course, the women, too. And what have we seen now the last few years? The women's soccer team has been outstanding. The men's soccer team now is starting to rise and knocking right on the door, and it looks like they're going to be in the World Cup for the first time in a hell of a long time. The women's basketball program has been outstanding, and the, especially the senior women, but also the U18 and, and the junior teams and whatnot. They've been great. And we could say the same with the men, but it's been the senior men that have kind of had a few bumps in the road. And now they look like they're finally getting themselves on the right path. And as we just discussed, the program is there. And it speaks to Jonesy, to me, what you were discussing and chatting about too, in that the infrastructure, the 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 the, the, the fact that private sector is starting to step up with more money and more sponsorship and everything else, the way it's being done, outside of maybe the United States, Canada should not be playing second fiddle to anybody in the world. And you said for basketball, I say for anything. And we're starting to see that. So this is, I guess, my shout-out to the athletes, to the coaches, to the trainers and the programs and everything. We're starting to see Canada succeed in almost everything. And it's great to see, and I used the, yesterday's game, as I said, kind of as a jumping-off point to look at the success that Canada's having, soccer, hockey, basketball, and all sports, individual athletes, Olympic games, etc., where we're starting to see the red and white um, atop that list and among the best of the best in damn near everything. Yeah, they've uh, <laughs> things have come around. Huh? Things have, have really... I, I guess when you step back and you evaluate, I look. I know what's going on with Canada basketball. When you step back and you evaluate and look at, you know, allocation of resources and best practices and all the things of that nature, um, things are starting to come together just because of the people that are making the decisions and the collective evaluation of where, where programs are going, how they get there. And again, looking at best practices, what, what has made you know, the USA successful besides their talent pool? What has made Spain so successful beside their talent pool? You know, and one of the things that, you know, you and Javon pointed it out with CIS players on the court at the end of the, at the end of a, a key stretch in the game, the, and I've said this, E, we've worked together for like 20 years. And I've said this, we always needed a domestic pro league to help our kids continue to play once they left school. And now we have it. And our kids are starting to, I guess, take advantage of it. So, um, you know, that's that's that that's terrific, and it's great for Canada. and And hope all the other national organizations follow suit the same way. 
Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Hopefully that is the case, Jonesy. Hopefully that is the case uh, for for Canada for basketball moving forward with the senior men's team again two and zero over the course of the weekend four and zero now uh, in the qualification for World Cup and the next two games coming uh, in the summertime, late June, early July. In fact, I saw a couple of dates. I don't know if they were confirmed. I think July first and fourth were the two dates that were already pegged for Canada. But again, I'm not sure if those are confirmed because we also don't know if the location is confirmed um, for that because Canada was supposed to host these two games Saturday, Sunday, but because of COVID and restrictions and travel and everything else, uh, the games were moved back down to Dominican Republic and they were played in Santo Domingo. So I wonder, I wonder perhaps if um, those games and FIBA maybe does Canada right by giving them back the games they missed here and letting them perhaps have them in the summertime. We can discuss that more as things unfold over the course of the next couple of months. Let's shift our attention back to the NBA, though. We teased this in the first hour of the show. You were talking about LeBron James. We were discussing the Los Angeles Lakers being blown out on their home floor, getting booed at home. And here's LeBron James after the games just discussing the Lakers and, and well, maybe how to get things, this thing uh, back on track. I mean, it all starts with a win. That's what it started with. I mean, trying to get off the snide, get a win, uh, and learn from that win and with things that you did well, things that you didn't do so well. Um, so it always starts with that, you know, and how you can, you know, try to implement it into a game-in-game situation. But, um, you know, obviously, last two losses have been – you know, in the Clipper game, we was right there, and obviously couldn't finish the game. And and tonight versus Pelican team, we've been playing. You know, like I said, we've been playing some good ball of late. But no, nah, this is uh, this season is definitely different. Yeah, that's one word for it. <laughs> it's it's definitely different, definitely different. And you know, you made the point as well, Jonesy. He hasn't really been part of stuff like this. He's we we talked about I think last week how durable LeBron James has been over the course of his entire career, and. As a result, his durability, his success, his dominance has thus equaled team dominance. And when the Lakers last went through a little bit of a bump and, and, and had issues, correct me if I'm wrong, a couple seasons ago, well, he was hurt. So he wasn't part of it. So it kind of further amplifies your point of this is arguably the first time he's really going through it on the floor healthy and, oh, it's not that the Lakers are losing because LeBron James is hurt or the Cavs or the Heat are losing because LeBron's out. No, he's there and part of it, and they're still losing, and he's hearing it. And that's a big deal, and that's what I said to you, um, you know, as we were talking about. This is, this is kind of new territory for him, and, um, you know, this team had so many expectations. Uh, you know, they, they, I mean, they're, what, two years removed from a championship. Yeah. And here they are in ninth. And, you know, people looked at the Raptors and said, well, it was Kawhi left. And, well, listen, before COVID stopped the league, the Raptors had the third best record in the NBA. And once that hit and it stopped the league, they, they could never kind of get back what they had. They were riding the success. Um, you know, the Lakers... You know, they've fallen. There's been a fall from grace over the last two years. Um, and it makes you <laughs> it makes you question what's going to happen next with LeBron. You know, where does he's been all this talk about his son? Where where does where does this team go next with him? Um, <laughs> you know, they, they retool. Uh, is he going to leave? Uh, you know, there's all this there's all been all this speculation about returning to Cleveland. Um, 
You know, does he leave and go back to Northeast Ohio with a couple of stars? But, you know, the words of our man Mitch Lawrence, I think it was Mitch Lawrence last week that said it, <clears throat> the cost of doing business with LeBron. Yeah. It's all short term. It's all short term because he wants to win. And it, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens and what shakes out. Well, a man that uh, might have an opinion on that as well. He called the action last night uh, between the Pelicans and Lakers, and he's getting set for the Nets and the uh, Brooklyn. Uh, sorry, the Brooklyn Nets and the Toronto Raptors tonight. As we are as well, prepping for the broadcast. I mean, listen, we could talk boxing as well. We could talk Yankees. We can get into a whole lot with our next guest, as he kind of seems to do it all from the Yes Network and ESPN, uh, all over the place. Uh, one of the best out there, Ryan Ruckel. Ryan, thanks for the time today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for having me. Hey, Ryan, um, let's let's start. As I said, we can get into a potpourri of topics, so many to discuss with you, uh, but we'll start with the Lakers, seeing as we were just chatting about them. Uh, not often, arguably ever, that we've seen LeBron James booed on his home floor, and obviously not just him being booed, the team being booed. Um, what's the magic elixir for the Lakers, if one exists, Ryan, to try and right this thing uh, over the final 20, 25-odd games of the season? I don't think there is one for this season. You know, I mean, their only chances of having any sort of hope are Anthony Davis getting healthy. Uh, he'll be reevaluated in uh, um, about, you know, two-plus weeks from now. I think it's March 17th that he's reevaluated. But, uh, you know, after re- being reevaluated, you know, who knows how long it would be before he's back on the floor. Um, you know, obviously they're a much better team if they have him. But even still, as we've seen this year, you know, their roster construction is very flawed. And last night, sitting courtside, it was, you know, one of the handful of times I can think of in recent years where you just could feel how listless a team's effort was. I mean, it was palpable how disengaged the Lakers were yesterday. And, you know, if they're going to perform like that, and granted, you guys know very well, sometimes you do just have those nights in the NBA so I want to be respectful of that possibility. But because there's been sort of a larger theme here, uh, I would worry about them, you know, slipping too far uh, before Anthony Davis gets back. And then even once he is back, you know, what kind of juice does this group have left if they've seen the writing on the wall for a while? So I think it's going to be tough for them to make anything of this season at this point. To that point, Ryan, we talked about it. Like, what do you do? A lot of people are calling for... I mean, Frank Vogel's chair is beyond hot right now. <laughs> um, and a lot of people are calling for his job. Is it worth doing anything right now? I mean, this is clearly roster construction and not coaching. Yeah, I agree with you, Paul. I mean, I, you, can't, you, you could fire Frank Vogel if you want to. It's not going to do a darn thing to help this team. You know, basically it would just be saying, well, we can't stand for this. We have to do something. Um, but it's not going to do anything for this team. They're, they're going to have to fix their problems in the offseason uh, when it comes to just the way their roster is put together. And, look, there is a basic flaw here. Um, Russell Westbrook does not fit well with this group, right? There are other things uh, about it as well. But more than anything else, it's that. It's that Russell Westbrook is a primary ball handler who is playing off the ball now. And LeBron James, you know, is a guy who obviously always has the ball in his hands. And, and so, you know, you, you, you have to deal with that. It's kind of problem number one. And then problem number two is they lost their 
defense and athleticism uh, that they had with Caruso and Caldwell Pope. You know, those were two guys who really brought a lot on the defensive end um, and who could knock down threes as well. And so they just really didn't replace those guys with anybody who was competent on both sides of the ball. Um, and, yeah, so I, I just, you know, they can, they can let go of Frank if they want to. It's not going to do anything to help them. Hey, Ryan, I was hoping that that garbage truck would continue to back up as we were talking about the Lakers because it was the perfect <laughs> metaphor. It was the perfect metaphor for the entire conversation. <laughs> as we're, <laughs> we're speaking with Ryan Rucco. Uh, as Raptors get set for the Nets tonight, the uh, home-at-home back-to-back against Brooklyn, but we're discussing the uh, L.A. Lakers right now as Ryan called the action yesterday uh, with, with Richard Jefferson. Um, I, I guess at the risk of repeating myself a little bit, Ryan, you said there's no magic elixir for this season. But, you know, as Jonesy and I were discussing in this in this first hour, and we've kind of gotten into it a little bit with you over the last couple of minutes, I wonder what the, the, the longer-term future looks like. If the short-term future is, okay, it looks like they're going to be in the play-in, and as long as they can get through and get themselves a seed, I got to imagine there are still going to be teams that are saying, I don't want to see LeBron and the Lakers in the postseason. But if we look beyond that a little bit, Ryan, how much stock do you put in? And I always walk this fine line, both Jonesy and I do, of the, the fantasies and the rumor mill and all that stuff. We try to stay clear of that. But I'm not sure if it is fantasy and rumor when LeBron himself is talking about, I want to play with my kid. And I respect that. I would too talking about maybe going back to Cleveland or the overtures about the Cavs. You start throwing a lot of this in, it does kind of make you scratch your head a little bit and go, okay, all right, beyond this season, uh, looking into next year, like what does the future look like for the Lakers? Because the cupboard's kind of bare already, and if LeBron ultimately does go, man, what's going to happen in L.A.? Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think there's two different ways to attack it, right? Like one is the cupboard being bare thing, because I, I would think you're looking at it and saying, how am I augmenting around LeBron and AD to give them what they need to win a championship? Because that duo is still a championship caliber duo, you know, for at least another season or two, right? Uh, assuming that they are healthy, which has been a problem the last two years. Um, but you don't have the same assets that you did to try and, you know, acquire talent around them uh, because of what you've had to give up uh, to get both Russell Westbrook and, and then obviously the bigger deal with Anthony Davis. So, I mean, that, that's a real problem, just the path to putting the pieces around them that they need, especially when you just see how good so many teams have gotten around the NBA. I mean, they're just a lot of really good teams. So it's tough. As far as LeBron's future goes, I mean, I, I, I guess I shouldn't find it as humorous as I do because maybe he's still going to be dominant at 45. But I'm just like, with where he's at in his career, let's, like, wait and see how long. Like, people – worried about, like, oh, he may leave to go play with Bronny in, what, four years? You know, like, when he's when he's 41 years old? Like, I, I, okay, we'll see. I mean, he's he's so physically, uh, you know, gifted, and, and his, his dedication to his his uh, fitness is so, you know, just next level that maybe he will play till he's 45 and still be averaging 25 when he is. But I just feel like, you know, with where he's at, it's not like we're talking about, you know, 27-year-old LeBron James making these statements, right? It's, it's a guy who, you know, I, I just think it's, it's kind of not the same place to be speculating three or four years down the line or even two years down the line. I think it would take a lot for him to not be a Laker anymore. I think their bigger issue is, like, how do they put around him and AD what they need to be a true contender again? Ryan, interesting because, you know, you say that uh... – you know, I, I think it was I'm pretty sure, Eric, it was Mitch Lawrence we had that talked about doing 
the yeah, cost was, yep. of uh, the cost of business with LeBron, and it's short term. I mean, he's thinking championships. He's thinking legacy. Catch Michael. Um, you know, have more championships than Kobe. Like all of those things, and everything's everything's short term with him. And yeah, the Lakers have to look at it like that. First of all, Anthony Davis has got to get and stay healthy, but um, at the same time. I mean, you have LeBron, and you have a chance to win, but you might take that chance to win and then, you know, never <laughs> never be able to build it back again for a long time. I, you know, what, you know what, what's happening out in L.A.? Because they are built on championships, no question. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think that, uh, I, I think that their biggest issue is just, like, what's their avenue to acquiring the talent they need to be a championship team? You know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James is a lot, and it gets you close. But you don't really – I mean, if you look at that roster, what what are the assets you're flipping to get something else to help this team? I I just don't – I don't know where it is, you know. That's one of the things that I actually thought was valuable uh, for the Nets in the trade that they did is, you know, ultimately maybe they're not going to be quite as good this season. Maybe they will, but maybe they won't, right? And you definitely made Philly better this season. Um, But it was a risk you're – willing to take obviously there were other reasons but one of the other benefits of their deal was now all of a sudden they have some assets to play with to put the proper things around kd and and kyrie right not being as hamstrung the way you would be after you do a trade like they did for harden or like the lakers did for ab but i don't know what that asset is that the lakers could use to turn into things that they can then flip for other pieces you know they they're gonna have to really hit on a second rounder or two Um, or or something along those lines, because otherwise it's just tough to look at their roster and the lack of flexibility and see a path to to having the right pieces around AD and LeBron, especially guys, because like I said, like it's not like it's easy to win right now in the NBA. Not that it ever is, but you know, we know there are times where there's really only, you know, two, three capable championship teams. That is not the case this season. I mean, you can make a legitimate argument for five or six teams coming out of the East, you know, in the West, obviously it's Golden State and Phoenix, but there are some other teams that all it would take is one injury or one break for them to all of a sudden, you know, have a legitimate shot to make a run to the finals as well. Like it, it it's just not, it's just not going to be easy. I don't know what the path is. You, you might have to get, uh, you know, r- real creative. I don't know. Maybe you do have to sell off one of your bigger. I don't know if you'd ever entertain trading Anthony Davis because he's at the core of it but it's just hard to see a path to rebuilding uh, the assets you need around those two. Speaking with Ryan Rucco, uh, Ryan, I, I do want to talk about the Nets uh, and the Raptors getting set for their tilt tonight, and then, as I said, on the back-to-back, the home-at-home playing in Toronto tomorrow. But just quickly, some news since we brought you uh, onto the air as well. I know, you know, let's let's take off the the ESPN Lakers hat and you know keep the Brooklyn Nets one aside for a second, but put on the Yankees cap for a second. Former Yankee uh, and now former CEO of the Miami Marlins. Derek Jeter, according to ESPN, stepping down as CEO of the Marlins. Not sure what the reasoning is there or the factors behind all that, but I guess, Ryan, to, to use that as a, a jumping-off point, just quickly, uh, today being, you know, arguably, depending on who you talk to, listen to, maybe a quasi-deadline day for baseball if they don't get a deal struck by today, perhaps opening day uh, in jeopardy for Major League Baseball. Uh, what's your gut telling you about uh, the 2022 season before we bring it back to basketball? You know, I, I mean, I, I, I don't have any great um, intel, but my gut 
is saying that just it, it feels like the two sides are at least um, somewhat aware of how bad it would be to miss regular season games and are working through the last week as if there is a deadline today. And that's at least encouraging to me because I don't think we felt that urgency at any point. Um, and, and I do think that the sport is in a place where a bigger enemy to the union than the league or to the league than the union is missing games. The sport is in a precarious position. And I don't think they can afford after having two very COVID altered seasons, obviously 2020 more than 2021, but still last year was not, you know, your normal season for you know many teams. You didn't have fans really uh, in any significant way until July. Um, I, I think that, I think you can't miss games this year. I think if you tell fans after what they've gone through the last two years, like, Hey, by the way, we're going to have another, you know, altered season. I think it's going to feel very illegitimate to fans. And I think it's going to be hard to drum up excitement. Then if you start opening day, May 1st, when they know this was self-inflicted and yes, you know, there can be legitimate business gripes on either side, but you know, the bottom line is none of that is going to supersede the feeling of the fan being robbed of what should be a legitimate full season and feeling like there was a lack of creativity or willingness uh, from both sides to uh, be able to get to, to that place. So I, I think that it is imperative that they come to a deal before the start of the season. If not, I think they're going to be taking years to just get back to the place uh, that they are right now. And that's a place that's about as low as they want to go. We might have lost Jonesy there, Ryan. I'll get him back. Oh, I, I think I hear him. Go ahead, Jonesy. Tough, tough stuff, Ryan. Um, you know when you when you think about that, and and here we are. I mean, talking about all these. I mean, maybe the Nets excluded in a sense, but proud franchises with you know dealing with stuff like Jeter, a former Yankee. I mean, he's not with them, but you know we we're just talking about LeBron. And um, I mean, to me, the nature of sports is uh, the NFL sees it probably better than anybody else. The NHL, too. Everybody has a chance. And if you're a fan base, isn't that all you want from your your city to, to have a chance? And you just said it in the NBA this year. Uh, you know, there's a handful of teams that can legitimately say we can win this whole thing. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it, it's so true. I mean, it's. It, it, there, there are just, um, you know, you got to strike while the iron's hot when you look at, um, you know, when you look at just like championship windows and opportunities and do everything you can to get to that place. Because, you know, I think about the one example I had to bring it back to baseball, guys. And one example I always think of in recent memory is the Yankees were supposed to be in a rebuilding mode in 2017. And uh, that was when, you know, Aaron Judge was a rookie and everything. And they, they shocked everybody and took a 3-2 lead in the ALCS before obviously losing to the Astros, and we know the controversy behind that. But at that moment, there was this feeling of like, oh, you know, they exceeded expectations. They're obviously going to be back. Um, you know, they're, they're, this is just the start of it for them. And I remember David Cohn, my amazing colleague, uh, was on the field after the game, and he said, you know, no matter what, like, you had it here. You had two games to win one. Like, this was a chance to do it. And you could say you're young and you're going to get back, but – you don't know, and, and and the Yankees haven't. And I say that just to say any of these teams, you know, in either sport that has the opportunity to win a championship, um, you can't act like, oh, you know, like if they don't get it this year, they're in position next year. You never know. You know, it's why the Raptors did what they did with Kawhi and why it was 
the best decision that Masai and the franchise could have ever made, right? Because they got that title. And no matter what, that is money in the bank that will carry you for decades. So I, I am all about, uh, you know, just the urgency of win now and not taking any opportunity for granted. Hey, Ryan, I could probably throw three questions into one here, if not 13 questions into one, but to use what you just said there to bring it back to basketball for one last one for you here, getting set again for the Nets and the Raptors tonight and tomorrow. Um, how much of a factor do you think that was, what you just said, for Brooklyn? I mean, you, you swung for the fences in, in bringing in James Harden. The relationship or the, the, the partnership, whatever, ultimately maybe didn't work for a number of factors. You still got Kyrie in and out because of the COVID restrictions and whatnot. Durant's hurt, but he's coming back. But then you make the deal to send Harden to bring in Simmons, and you get Curry and Drummond as part of it. It's like Sean Marks, is, he's juking and jiving. He's doing a lot of stuff trying to do what you just talked about, get that championship. And if this team can get it, right and get it all on the same page over the you know the next six weeks or so this still looks like arguably the most dangerous team potentially most dangerous team in the league i agree i mean and i think it's it's reasonable to wonder if they're running out of a runway um and uh you know especially you know with the idea that maybe ben simmons is coming along a little more slowly than we initially anticipated you know i i think that it's understandable to at this point wonder if they're going to be able to get to that place. Um, but having said that, I do believe that if they are fully healthy and they're fully loaded and Kyrie Irving is able to play both home and road games, um, that they do have the best roster in the NBA, which is a credit to Sean, who's had to make you know two franchise-altering trades over the last couple of years. Not to mention, I, I do think sometimes we still overlook you know, just how incredible it is that he got the franchise to this place with what he inherited. You know, he inherited a, an awful team that had no assets, and he turned it into the best roster in the NBA, in my opinion, when healthy. Um, you know, you think about what, what this team could be, especially if they ended up getting Joe Harris back as well. That's more of a long shot. But if you have Ben Simmons, you know, Kyrie, KD, uh, let's say you're going to start Drummond and, and Seth Curry. And then off the bench, you have Patty Mills, LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, we've seen the way that the rookie Cam Thomas has played this year. Um, even guys like James Johnson, Bruce Brown, uh, if Joe Harris is back. Like there's, I mean, there's a lot of really good players on this team. But, and I think the pieces fit great, but you, you still need to see it. And, you know, I think it's, um, it's enough of a, a – a pattern at this point that you can't just assume you will see it. I'm optimistic we will, uh, but I think it's reasonable to have, you know, understandable pause. Ryan, appreciate the time today. Thanks for joining us. I know it's a, a busy time, but we, we appreciate you carving out a few minutes for us. All the best. You got it, guys. All the best to you. There is Ryan Rucco uh, from ESPN. Yes, Network called the uh, Lakers game yesterday with the Pelicans getting set for the Nets and Raptors tonight. Of course, you see him on boxing coverage as well. Ryan, all over the place, one of the best in the business, and we appreciate his time. Uh, just to quickly circle back for a moment here before we take the break to uh, Derek Jeter stepping down as CEO of the Miami Marlins. He put out a statement. Uh, I'm not going to read the entire thing, but just a couple of snippets from it. Today, I am announcing that... 
the Miami Marlins and I are officially ending our relationship, and I will no longer serve as CEO nor as a shareholder in the club. We had a vision five years ago to turn the Marlins franchise around, and as CEO, I have been proud to put my name and reputation on the line to make our plan a reality. Through hard work, trust, and accountability, we transformed every aspect of the franchise, reshaping the workforce and developing a long-term strategic plan for success. That said, the vision for the future of the franchise is different than the one I signed up to lead. Now is the right time for me to step aside as a new season begins. My family and I would like to thank our incredible staff, Marlins fans, Marlins players, and the greater Miami community for welcoming us with open arms and making us feel at home. The organization is stronger today than it was five years ago, and I am thankful and grateful to have been a part of the team. That's a lot there in that statement saying the team's stronger in a better position, but I don't like where it's going and I'm out. Something, There's something more going on there, I guess, Jonesy, and uh, that's something that perhaps we can dig into um, maybe in tomorrow's show, and certainly I'm sure we'll get more from uh, our baseball guys on the Sportsnet side and, of course, with Blair and Barker as well. But when we continue on Smith and Jones... We'll keep our attention focused in on the NBA and on the Toronto Raptors getting set for the Nets tonight, but just a, a bigger, greater conversation with a man that we always love talking to and I love just listening to. Anytime you have a chance to speak to this man, I don't care what the topic is, you speak to him. Hall of Famer, Raptors senior basketball advisor, Wayne Embry, next on Smith & Jones. Breaking down the biggest stories in Toronto sport. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Ailish. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. The Toronto Raptors getting set for their game tonight against the Brooklyn Nets, 7.30 tip-off. And then back home tomorrow for a 7.30 tip against that same very team, the Brooklyn Nets, the back-to-back home-at-home, and for the Raptors, their first time in front of fans in quite a while, a couple of months, uh, as fans welcome back at 100% capacity for tomorrow's game. Uh, but obviously more important for the Raptors, with due respect to the fans, to simply just get back on track. A couple of rough ones on Friday, Saturday, uh, but still a, a solid season overall in the thick of things in the play-in right now and still trying to track down one of those top six spots as well. Lots to dive into as well, uh, as always. As I said, going into our commercial break, anytime we have a chance to chat with this man, I don't care what the topic is, you take that opportunity with Hall of Famer and senior basketball advisor for the Raptors, Wayne Embry. Wayne, thanks for the time today. Hi, Eric. Paul, how you doing? Good, Wayne. Uh, real great. Always great to talk to you. And, uh, you know, February, we, we celebrate, you know, Black Excellence, Black History Month. And I, 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 I tell the story of you and I sitting in a hotel room and how you, you, you told me about basically the formation of the Players Association between the walls where owners were pounding on the doors. And we've come a long way, Wayne. And I'm looking at, a, a, a you know, a, a league like the NFL where they still haven't, you know, become as progressive as the NBA. When you look at solutions to all of these things, Wayne, uh, from where you stand and where you've seen it come, where where do you think we need to go with this to kind of change the landscape? Well, I just think that we uh, live by giving everyone equal opportunity. The rest will play out. I, I think that uh, in recent years, there's been more focus on, on uh, hiring and I think uh, it's just a matter of just going out and doing it. You got to want to do it. 
And I think once that desire is there, you find a lot of capable people able to do the job. And regards to what sport, what industry, what uh, profession one may be in, if one is prepared and and given equal opportunity, I think things will happen positive. That's what the NBA has done. Hey, Wayne, at the risk of sort of sounding repetitive, is it simply just giving somebody a chance? You know, you often sit back, as you said, and no matter what industry it is or what, what, what facet of life we're talking about, how can I prove myself? How can I show you if I'm not given a chance? And if I'm given that chance, given that opportunity, uh, it shouldn't be a surprise that we're seeing success from so many different people because finally given that chance to show and to shine. There has to be a desire to add diversity in any organization. Uh, there are plenty of people who are qualified to do the jobs, whether it's in broadcasting, whether it's in sports, industry management, coaching. Uh, there are plenty of people who are qualified. And I, I got to say that uh, I'm really pleased with, with uh, the diversity in the Raptor organization. And one of our uh, fellows, of the Teresa Wayne Fellowship just accepted the front office job with uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, went to get Testa, who, who is very qualified, uh, young lady that uh, worked with us this past year, and she was given an opportunity for an interview, and she was hired. And it's just that kind of uh, initiative that. Uh, that teams need to do, and there's there are people out there. Uh, well, it's, it, it is it is terrific, Wayne. When I look at uh, you know uh, the diversity in the Raptors organization, and as you said, uh, it starts at the top. I mean, you know, the thinking back to when you were brought into the organization, and then Masai, and and it's it you know it's 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 come from the top down. So I mean, that's a terrific thing. Uh, big man, I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little basketball with you. Um, <laughs> Eric and I were talking at the start of the show about um, the team and the last two losses. And I'm, I know you and I talk away from this. I know you monitor, you watch. You've had these situations before yourself as a general manager where a team president where the team is, is playing well. You come to the break. You come out of the break. You kind of sputter a little. And and what do you do to turn it around? And you know what what validity is there to people saying, are we are we on a bad track here, or do you just kind of keep keep trying to keep get through it this, the best way you can? No, I think uh, coming back off the break, guys, a little stale, and uh, we got several games left to play, and just a matter of getting refocused and and get your mindset on who we are as a team and I think we've proven we can play with, with the best in the East uh, and it's not that much difference between us and the top teams right now it's just a matter of getting back on track and uh, I think we'll do that Speaking with Wayne Embry, Senior Basketball Advisor for the Toronto Raptors, Wayne I, w- I want to look kind of maybe a little bit Big picture, I suppose. I remember chatting with you on the air, at least. So, you know, I've seen you in person since. But early on uh, in in COVID, back in 2020, I believe, when we had you on the show, um, looking now, 
man, Wayne, I can't believe we're almost two years into this. When we factor in everything that the players, especially the Raptor players and the organization with the relocation last year to Tampa, but factoring it all in, Wayne, with with what's happened professionally, what's happened personally to a lot of guys, what's still happening in the world, uh, socially, politically, I mean, even stuff that's happening overseas right now with Russia and Ukraine, like all that's going on. As a professional athlete, do we often forget, Wayne, because you've been there as an athlete, as a, as, as a coach, as a president, in so many different facets of the game. Do we often forget that, okay, for us as fans, as broadcasters and media, it's, it's our distraction for a few hours a night. But it's their job. And at the end of the day, they're still going home. No matter what money they make, they're still going home to the same realities that we all are dealing with. And I guess sometimes I focus on how difficult it must be mentally, emotionally, let alone physically, to handle the rigors of the game, of the sport, with everything else and all of the other distractions that are going on that we all are dealing with, but yet they have to push aside for a few hours as well. Well, you have to do that. Uh, you got to stay focused on what your game plan is and, and, and how you're going to compete against your opponent on a given night and uh, there's a lot going on in the world, and we, of course, can't take our minds off of that as well. But we got to come to work, do our job, and it's very difficult. I got to tell you, it's difficult at times. I've been there uh, in my playing days, and of course, in the front office where they just are distractions. But they don't we call anything like we're going through today with the COVID and and uh, the social issues and that which is going on in, in our world today. And we just got to raise above it and somehow provide some leadership in getting us through this terrible time. And uh, I think uh, coming to work every night, play the game is the way to get your mind off of what's going on. But you got to also realize you got to go right back to it. But uh, how you perform on the court, how one does their job is also important. And, that will sustain us. And uh, it, it, it's tough. We're in some tough times, fellas. It sure is, Wayne. And um, I mean, ho- I, we, we hope we get to a time where we can look back and say that helped, uh, you know, that helped uh, develop some resiliency as, as everybody gets through this. Um, Wayne, the NBA has become kind of the leader in terms of being the progressive league of the four major sports. Where did you first see that coming when you were in the league? What, what kinds of things did, did people like yourself, um, you know, push for and, and try to kind of start the ball rolling when it came to diversity and inclusivity? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, I will be forever grateful to West Pavilion in Milwaukee, he was the owner of the Bucks when I was named general manager almost 50 years ago. In a week or so, it would be 50 years ago. And needless to say, a lot of pro- progress has made since then. And of course, it took a little while, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, I think, the NBA that, that stepped to the forefront. Uh, David Stern's leadership, and of course, Adam Silver's taking over from him. And uh, there's a desire to have diversity in the league, and and, uh, and you know from 
being uh, a player, and in my early years as a player, there was a quota system in the league. There were eight teams, and uh, I was the only African American on on on, uh, on my team, and in Cincinnati for a couple of years, till Oscar came, and Boozer and Hawkins and some others, and of course the Celtics were always very progressive in their teams, and you got to where you take the best players, and uh, without uh, any looking back, you just took the best players to, to go out and win, because the Celtics proved that, uh, yeah, that proved that very well, winning the championship runs that they had, and then, of course, in the front office, uh, when I took the job, I wanted to succeed to prove to the world that it didn't matter what color or what race you were, it's given the opportunity, the job to be done, and there were others to follow, and, of course, uh, David Stern, uh, I think, had a lot to do with promoting that in the league and the diversity and and of course, others, the ownerships uh, of various teams look to do that as well. And so, uh, you know, the NBA has been a great model, I think, for the world. Speaking with Wayne Embry, Toronto Raptors senior advisor, basketball advisor. Wayne, this is a, a very open-ended question I throw at you, but everything you just discussed there, how far things have come in 50 years but how far we still have to go in so many other ways. And, and, I mean, granted, it's not the NBA, not that the NBA still doesn't have work to be done in other facets too, but I look at the National Football League and what have we been discussing over the last uh, month or so, forgetting the Super Bowl. It's the lack of, uh, you know, uh, African-American head coaches, uh, minority coaches in the National Football League, Brian Flores, his situation uh, 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 with Miami and with the Dolphins and so much more. Uh, as I say, Wayne, it's so open-ended, but I would say to you, from all you've experienced, if you could, if you if you if, if you could have your say, if you could have your way right now, what would you like to see change? What what's your vision for not just the sport, the league, the world right now, Wayne? What would you like to see more of as we move forward and hopefully become better as a society, let alone as a profession? Somehow we got to uh, reverse the mindset of of, of that. Uh, 20, 30% who just thrive on hatred. And we got somehow changed the mindset of those people. And I, I go by the 80-20 rule or 70-30, whatever it is today, but I think we saw some uh, regression in, in attitudes uh, and perhaps maybe resentment of the progress that, that uh the country had made in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh, we made tremendous progress after the civil rights movement in the 60s and 70s with the affirmative action programs and and uh, that which occurred. I think there's some resentment going back to that, but I think it made us a better world uh, where there's mutual respect, and that's what that's what we have to have. You've heard me say this before that respect is a key word in what we do because disrespect can create hostilities and and anger and which leads to hatred 
and that can lead to conflict and conflict destroys civilizations and we we got to just focus on on uh respecting each other's culture their background who they are as human beings and i think uh the world would be a better place it's been proven it can be Wayne, we really appreciate the time today. Uh, thanks for joining us. Stay well, uh, be safe and healthy, and uh, hope to see you real soon. Hope to see you guys soon. Thank you. Thanks, Wayne. There is Wayne Embry, uh, senior advisor for the Toronto Raptors Hall of Famer as well. And, Jonesy, I, I, I'm going to repeat the line for a third or fourth time here. Anytime you have a chance to talk to Wayne, you do so, no matter what the topic is, and always love having him on the show. And we're so, so lucky to, um, you know, to, to have him around uh, in, in Toronto. And I know for me, um, you know, as a young black man watching uh, Wayne do his thing as a general manager in, in Cleveland and, and do all he could to try and beat Michael, which nobody could do. Um, and, and just his his grace and his class. Uh, you know, I, just, I love it when he's in Toronto or when we see him on the road and you can sit down and, and talk with him. And, and, and I'll say this, those talks don't come uh, uninterrupted. People revere him in the same way. They, you know, they see him sitting where we're sitting and I might be in the middle of a conversation with him and I will gladly give up, you know, a minute or two in my chat with him because, you know, some high ranking person in the NBA or, or in the broadcast world or somebody will come over and want to talk to him. And that's when I step back and go, you know what, go ahead, because I get to do this more than you. You don't see him all the time. And, you know, to be able to pick up the phone and call him or heck at times have him call us uh, is 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 really, really terrific. Well, you know, to, to that point, Jonesy, too, and I would, I would maybe even just add, even if it's not a high-ranking official, it's just somebody that wants to get in his ear for a minute or, or pay their respects or come over and shake the hand and say hello, whatever it may be, because uh, Wayne will often sit there pregame at a Raptors game and sit on the bench, and, and, and people come to him as they should to sort of say their hellos, as I said, pay their respect, uh, you know, even just a quick hello, just to get in their time, whatever moment they can. I, I, I can even think, selfishly speaking, uh, my son still talks about, like, he'll ask me from time to time, hey, how's Mr. Embry doing? Like, he's had a chance to, to meet him, and Wayne uh, took a picture with him once, wrapped his big arms around him, his big those big hands of his, and, and posed for a picture. And it's just, I think he's one of those people where um, he just, um, I think, oozes that sort of, uh, respect and there's an aura about him uh, even if you had no clue about what he did and what he's done and and what he's seen and what he represents he just is that type of person that I think is is just revered by so many yeah and and you know <laughs> what he's done speaks for itself that's why he's right as you said he's he's so revered that's why he's um, you know, looked at in such in such high regard and high esteem. And uh, like I said, we're fortunate. We're lucky. We're just lucky to have him around in Toronto. And, uh, you know, I, I wrote it uh, when I was writing for Sportsnet.ca, I don't know how many years ago, but he tells a story about sitting in, and that one really hit home with me, sitting in the locker room at All-Star break and how... You know, he had to take two commercial flights and get to this first all-star game. 
and somebody said we're going to have a meeting and they talked about well we're not going to take the floor till we get a pension guaranteed and he talked about his owner knocking on the door and saying Embry get out here if you don't you'll never play again and you know the guys in the room looked at him and said don't move and some of those guys in the room had the juice to be able to do that you know Oscar Robertson Jerry West Elgin Baylor he said I'm Wayne Embry like I I, I need to do this and they said, no, stand, you know, sit tight. We're going to stand tall with this. And, you know, it, it, it turned out for them. And it formed the basis for what we know as the NBA Players Association now. So, um, you know, good for Wayne, um, you know, sticking to his convictions and, and, and getting the support and the help. And, you know, it was the right thing to do. And we've moved forward. Subscribe to Smith & Jones, folks, wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review, download, share as well. I'm hearing myself. Jonesy's got me cranked up here in the background. It's like I'm getting that. I've got, like, my megaphone out telling everybody to subscribe to Smith & Jones. Raptors and Nets tonight, 7.30, the tip-off from Brooklyn, and then hopping on a flight, getting back to T.O. to do it again tomorrow night. Same teams, different building. And for the first time in a long time in front of fans as well, we will discuss that and a whole lot more on tomorrow's show. Thanks for tuning in to Smith & Jones. Stay safe and healthy.